0: John and Steven.
1: Thank you, this is Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, is
0: mainly always, is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How you doing, Elliot? Doing well, doing well. Getting ready for Nightmare on Chicago Street coming up uh, this weekend when this airs. Um, it will be just a few days away before the city of Elgin gets turned into like a zombie outbreak zone. And it's, what's going to be great is this will be my fifth year uh, co-emceeing the costume contest with our very own Svenguli. I get to work with Svenguli every year. Oh, that lovely.
1: Yeah, so what do the things they have there? Because I, I remember we talked years ago that there are bands there. You're emceeing. There's a costume contest. Is it like a convention, but in the Main Street? Is it like...
0: Is it like a haunted house? It's, you know, that's a really good question. And it is kind of hard to describe, but I would say it's part haunted house because they take like all the businesses and the streets are kind of remade to look like, again, like a bomb has gone off and there's zombies going around. And they even have like a plane crashed into the main. Uh, parking structure in downtown Elgin, which how they get that up there every year is beyond me. Uh, then, um, you have at and, and oh, and and of course, they're they so tired of hearing this joke of the Elgin p- police are out there like in their SWAT uniforms and all that. And then they go, Hey, great costume! They're like, aha, yeah, yeah, we got it. No, that's really them, it's them <laughs> in their actual gear, you know. <clears throat> so, you'll have. Like you said, there are bands playing at different stages. There mm-hmm. are performers. There are a couple areas that are set up kind of like quote unquote experiences, like you walk through an alley and things jump out at you. Um, and if uh, every once in a while you come across a couple teens smoking pot in the doorway. Yeah, but that's any Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. It's like I was just hearing that story today. Is you know, I was meeting with the the fo- the Elgin folks about the the event, and they're talking about how one time they were trying to get Sven out of his autograph area to where he needs to go to the main stage for the for the costume contest through this really very little used you know gangway area. And one of the co- you know one of the cops I don't know if it was the chief of Elgin PD or what, you know one of the officers says okay we're going to go out this door, and he opens the door and what he got two teens there smoking pot, and you know they're like, oh man, of all the things we were not expecting. <laughs> Luckily yeah, for, him, a- for them, he was like you know what I don't want to deal with this get out of here you two.
1: And, well, well, pot's legal, but nothing's really legal when you're a teen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not really. when
1: you spend four years with people going, What are you doing? Pretty yeah, right.
0: Well, you, know, dude, he- you can't smoke pot as a teen though. You know, I don't thing.
1: know. I don't it's know.
0: Like drinking when
1: you're 21. They told me it was legal and I stopped listening because <laughs> my dad was a pothead and it smells like my dad. Uh so I yeah. shouldn't ever road. Well, uh I used to, so I you... used to have a used to have a, a bit of my stand up act was the um I said, my dad was a pothead, so never, I never really get in trouble. He would start to yell at me and would go into three hours about the cat's face. Ah! <laughs> no.
0: I mean, I've always had ex- real interesting experiences when it comes to pot. I mean, a couple of things I've learned. Do not uh, accept the joint from improv artists because those guys have like the most serious stuff out there on the market and it will mess you up, which is what I learned. And although I do regret the one time John Layman at San Diego Comic-Con, I was out outside the hotel with John Layman, uh forget who else, and an editor from some one of the comic companies and they were passing a joint around and they, and then John goes, Hey, you want, you want some, you want, you want to try it? You want to hit? And I was like, I would be so cool right now if I did this, I would be so cool, but I couldn't. Cause um, uh, for, at that time I was uh, volunteering with, Youth corrections in Cook County, and they drug Oh, test. yeah. There you so,
1: go. Like, and it so wasn't if, legal.
0: Yeah. So, if at some point, like that stuff stays in your system for a month. So, yeah. let's say if I go, I fly home from San Diego Comic Con, suddenly they call me up and say, it's time for your drug test. Well, there went that. So, I, I had to tell, I had to tell again, John Layman that. I go, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. We, we drug test for my. In name. that situation,
1: you are the John Layman. <laughs>
0: You're the lame. You're the lame man. man. <laughs> the lame man. <laughs> but John was really cool. He's a, he's a good friend. So I mean, he didn't. He didn't the author,
1: he's the author of Chew. He Chew. did some. He did some Batman too. They gave him Detective for a while.
0: Did the Batman? He did a Gambit. He's got a bunch of stuff coming out now from Image. Um, In Hell We Fight is a series, mini miniseries he's got coming out. Plus, I just saw they announced his um his Godzilla miniseries that he wrote is being collected again in the new omnibus. So good guy, really talented guy. I do not understand why he doesn't do more mainstream work, why he doesn't do more stuff. Maybe he didn't enjoy it. Like, like we just said, he did some Batman. He did some
1: X-Men. A lot of those guys, especially when they, they rise up through creator owned, they get an editor telling them what to do and making them stick to a deadline and they don't
0: respond well. That's true. Now I remember talking to John about doing some stuff with, with, um, was it Marvel? Marvel or DC? I don't want to. I mean, it's not like he was uh, bagging on them or anything, but he did say, "Yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a challenge." You know, it's like there's certain things because he did, um, uh, uh, Marvel versus Zombies. He did that first um, Marvel Zombies series, and he did. Um, he I thought did, it was Kirkman. Oh, I'm sorry. He did. He later on he did a he did a um, Ash versus Marvel oh, okay. Zombies. He did that one too. And and he was just talking about yeah there are all these things that you got to do and you got to you know work this and that and and and, <clears throat> and he's like wow and, and 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 even then like it doesn't even pay great too you would think that Marvel and DC would pay you really well but
1: yeah, yeah no, I I remember when yeah. I was trying to break into Marvel I just wanted to make rent
0: then yeah you're yeah. not doing that even uh, from some of the rates I've been, I've no, been well the,
1: and you know what that's why all the uh, big artists don't live in America.
0: But yeah, over yeah, they're all yeah. You have all these. That's what, every artist I worked with, with the exception of one, when I was working at Army of Darkness for Dynamite, they were all like Spanish. A lot of them were like in South America, Portugal, mind you, really good and worked incredibly fast. Uh, but but yeah, and I, I never had any real communication with them. So
1: right, and and if you're working for the major two, whatever you do, just goes to them which, um, you know, reminds me back in the 90s, I had an agent for a hot minute and uh, I, he gave me a list of open properties and I pitched a Lobo movie, and which is apropos for this week because Keith Giffen, who created Lobo, passed away. And even though that movie never got made and I never got, I didn't even get to go to California for it, I think had that movie been made, he wouldn't have seen
0: a lot of money. Oh, Keith Giffen? No, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he uh, co-created Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. I mean, Keith Giffen created was in on creating some of, right now, some of the most popular characters in comics. And, you know, we're bringing up Keith Giffen because, first, props to him and his family. The fact that he announced his own death, he was able to announce his own death to a point where people were responding on his Facebook page. Oh, come on. You're joking, right? No, no way. No way. Huh? And no, it was, it was legit. He had And sh- he po-
1: he posted anything to get out of going to New York Comic-Con.
0: <laughs> I, I said I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's that's what made Keith Giffen such a legend. And there, you know, this, this outpouring of affection. I feel like there were, there were two sides to Keith Giffen, but he balanced them perfectly. He had this, like, dark, cosmic side. You know, his art was always very, like, hard-edged and, and very, lot, full of blacks, and was would always kind of suck you in, almost to, like, a Mike Mignola kind. But then he had this sense of humor that was just silly. Like, you know, Lobo was a joke when he was first created. And then, uh, my, my biggest experience with Keith Giffen came with Justice League International, and I... Came into DC with Dark Knight Returns, like many of us of that age, and then uh, loved Dark Knight Returns so much, I was like, okay, I need to start reading the Batman Monthlies. And Batman Monthlies, I was looking back at the really good shape. Jim Starlin was, like, creating the KG Beast on uh, on one month, and Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle were creating the Ventriloquist in the same month. Those were my first two issues. So I got really into Batman, and then I was like, "Well, he's in the Justice League. I'll pick up Justice League." And I was not prepared for Keith Giffen, Jam Davis, and Kevin McGuire's Justice League. It's still one of the greatest books I've ever read.
0: I think we talked. We I think we referenced that once uh, when we were talking about the Flash movie, right? Mm-hmm. That level of humor that was in it—that in the book was brilliant, yeah. um, and and it just. There was such a balancing act, though, such a balancing act that you you can't they haven't been able to pull it off in live action yet. No. Um, But the of course, the classic scene, the the one that will go down in in history and and one that I even um, mimicked on my Facebook page is Batman knocking out Guy Gardner with one punch
1: for being an asshole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, And Black Canary walking in going, what? What? Wait. Is he dead? And I missed it.
1: <laughs> My favorite thing about that was he was unconscious for two issues. <laughs> I think the next issue he got up and banged his head on the table and
0: went right out again. But that was, you know, like you're right. There's that. There was that darkness and that that light and this that humor, that off kilter humor that Keith Giffen was great. Yeah, at you, you look at characters,
1: even minor characters, characters like Ambush Bug.
0: Oh, see, ambush bug was my jam, I'm telling you. Because uh, this is my thing, I will say. Um, for Keith Giffen, what brought me in was his work on Legion of Superheroes. I mean, I followed him through, you know, when he first started on the book, and I, I loved watching how his style evolved as it went. And then the great the great darkness saga, which is probably the greatest Legion of Superheroes story ever. Um, and and then seeing how it how it uh, how his artwork went from you know real like that kind of eighties nineties type to like as you were saying closer yeah. to the Mignola you know all this having to put so much in a page and all these characters all at once uh, so then that blew me away and then then afterwards how did how does he follow that up Ambush Bug, which was hilarious and yet and I'm telling you ahead of its time ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Ambush Bug was was Deadpool before Deadpool. Yeah. You know, I mean, before they decided to do that sort of thing with Deadpool, Ambush Bug was that. And they and didn't I, do,
1: and they didn't do that with Deadpool until Joe Kelly took over when Deadpool had been around for like 6-7 years.
0: Yep, yep. And and to the point where when I did Army when I had my first continuing series when I was given the full the the monthly series for Army of Darkness um, Nick Barucci said, I want you to create the Deadpool for, um, for Dynamite, for In Army of Darkness. And I created uh, the character Dead. It's uh, the alien that, you know, his, you know, the psychic in the beginning for a bit, um, who we never see, we never hear him say his name, but I do drop it early on if you caught it. Um, spoiler, um, his name was actually supposed to be Dead Bug. So it was Deadpool uh, Ambush Bug. And Ambush Bug. Yeah. And I tried to channel that sort of insanity, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the Keith Giffen type, you know, patter and just being goofy. And it, unfortunately it, it, it didn't take off. Like, it, like I'd hoped it would. Well, it's so, as you
1: said, it's so hard to nail. And, uh, it makes me think of, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, which is another very underrated series, probably the most underrated Batman animated series. They, tap that vein as much as they could. They did a few just sleek international episodes. They had ambush bug voiced by Henry Winkler.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: uh, I think the final episode they, and they really went for that style of humor, but there was something very specific, especially when Giffen combined with dematis and, and when Dematis is on his own, he's very dark. I mean, yes, I wrote yeah. Craven's last hunt, but just being around Keith Giffen, they just brought that out in each other. I mean, and, it, that lineup was so bizarre because it was the classic J, uh, JLI lineup, all c level guys, all second
0: stringers, and Batman. <laughs> it, was, it was essentially Batman and the Outsiders again, but it was in, in yeah, but, in, but
1: way more fun because because yeah. the Outsiders were clearly products of their time. Well, you yeah. know, like they put Katana in a Suicide Squad movie, and now she's a joke. That's as much as they stretched out, but like. To, they launched the new Justice League book like right after Crisis when they're relaunching everything. And for them to go, okay, we want a Green Lantern. We don't want Al Jordan. We want, we don't want John Stewart. We don't want anyone that's here. We
0: want Guy Gardner, the one that no one remembers. And they would turn him into probably the most popular Green Lantern. I mean, if people would be like, holy shit, I love Guy Gardner now. Yeah, you know?
1: I mean, that, that team to me is Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, and Booster Girl. Yes,
0: exactly. That's the yeah, hard of that. T- yeah.
1: And, you know, Captain Adam was in it for a while. Mr. Miracle was a big part of it. Yep. And they were all these guys from the fringes of the DC universe, including um, characters they bought, like Blue Beetle was a Charlton character. But uh, I remember, I think it's in the omnibus now, but it was, it was definitely like the introduction of the trade paperback and the subhead of it the first line just said I can't believe they let us use Batman
0: (laughs) yeah when you think about that book I mean the it's like it's like when you look at old television series you know that like were really popular and you go and you and you go oh my god like the Ben Stiller show right yeah you're never going to get Ben Stiller Janine Garofalo all the talent that was on that show you're never going to get them together again on a show or in a movie again, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's like Arrested development. development. Yes, it, it, it launched.
1: It was big enough to launch everybody on it to the point where they couldn't come back and do it.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, so many shows like the Hell, the the, uh, the Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. It, it so that
1: uh, I've been talking about uh, Taxi a lot. We've been rewatching Taxi, yeah. and not only did everybody on the cast go and do major things, every single writer on that show created a hit show. Yep, yep, you know, yep. The guys that created Cheers, the, the guy that created Coach, guys that created The Simpsons, all came from the writers' room of Taxi.
0: So you had Keith Giffen, James uh Kevin McGuire.
1: Kevin McGuire is the missing ingredient, and uh, he didn't he didn't stay on it that long. Like the their run, I think they do about sixty issues together, and Kevin McGuire only does the first two years. But the way Kevin McGuire could do facial expressions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And, and the way he could time a joke, like um, it within panels, you know, it's very, very hard to time a joke within panels. I think the only, the, you know, even the greatest comic strip guys don't do it that well. I think Jeff Smith did it very, very well in both. But uh, I think Kevin, Kevin McGuire was able to take this very superhero style and just tweak it. You know, he didn't come in with like a like a Kyle Baker, who I love. I loved Kyle Baker's Plastic Man, but he wasn't doing superhero comics at all. Like Kevin McGuire was doing superhero comics and just nudging it, mm-hmm. so it live it did live in the DC universe, and it was nothing like anything they
0: were doing. It was a it was just a quality that I don't think you're ever going to see again. I mean, and consistent, consistently. Funny, consistently, you know, the art was always consistent, the scripts, yeah. everything, you know, and you just you just don't see that now. You just they
1: spun it, they spun off uh Justice League Europe. they were running two monthlies for a while, writing both of them, yep, and consistent. Uh, if you haven't seen these, there are there is a two-volume omnibus set out there. That's how much they did, but it's absolutely worth it. I remember. Years ago, I found a batch of them in the uh, 50 cent pile in uh half price books, and I got enraged. And Joe okay. Pakovitz, a good friend of the show, was with was with me and he's like, He's like, Why are you upset? I'm like, I'm like, these comics are so good, they're like being thrown away. And he was like, Well, then I'll buy them. I never read this run. And a week later, he was like, That's the greatest thing I've ever read. <laughs> and then when we would go to these like Mighty Con, Dan Con. Uh, he just filled in the holes until he had that entire run. It was so infectious. And uh, and oddly, because it says Justice League on it, it's kind of easy to skip over.
0: Yeah. And give me another cover that's had as many homages done to it. Yeah. You know, number one. I mean, you, you look at your X-Men number, you know, the first X-Men, you know, the, the Kirby X-Men. Uh, look at uh, maybe Fantastic Four. How many other books just always? Yeah, amazing that-
1: Fantasy. But yeah, you're right. That Justice League number one, slightly above, so it's all their it's all their faces.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, they're they're not standing in action poses, there's no background behind them because that's what Kevin Smith was is great at faces. Mm-hmm. So like I'm just gonna do everybody's face. And you're right, that's been done. That's been done like Dark Knight Returns done. Yep, yep. Like everybody's like when they've had to do a big group of people and they wanted to make it look fun, that's the pose they go
0: for. And and I and I I submit to you that book does not get made again today. It just doesn't happen. You're not. No,
1: it's amazing they made it then. Like I said, it was came at a time where DC was relaunching everything after Crisis, but everything was more serious than it had been. I mean, DC was known as being the goofy, old fashioned, out of date company, and they come out with you you know Frank Miller doing Batman Year One, George Perez doing Wonder Woman, John Byrne doing Superman. And then so you figure Justice League would have been what Grant Morrison did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, here's all the heavy hitters, here's big stories, you know. But um, and those are the two runs I like to read of Justice League. <laughs> Grant Morrison on one side and giving it Matis. I d- I don't know how it was made then. I guess maybe Andy Helfer, who was the editor, was just like, ah, fuck it.
0: <laughs> but it was wait, it was Justice League International, right? Or was it just well,
1: it was Justice League, then it became Became Justice League International and then they spun off Justice League Europe. Justice League Europe. Okay. So so, so it's mostly known as Justice League International. And the omnibuses have both series. Okay. Because they did ping pong and have crossovers. But so most people call it Justice League International because that was that was kind of the unique title. They tried to bring that title back in the new 52 and it didn't go anywhere.
0: Because well, it was because just it, another superhero it,
1: book, but it had booster gold in it.
0: But that, who was writing it?
1: Mm, I don't know. Maybe See, there you go right there.
0: Yeah. So, again, that's it was like me trying to do Deadpool. <laughs> didn't, didn't work.
1: <laughs> every time every time you talk about that, I think that uh Jerry Palmiotti and Amanda Connors run on Harley Quinn, which was really fun. That's also anonymous. They carried a character called Red Tool. <laughs> and he just had like a tool belt. <laughs> So these, tra- Yeah, but Giffen, um, Giffen was one of those guys that was always there, but always special. One of the things I, I l- love to remember about Keith Giffen was um, 52, the weekly series. The the only one that really worked. Like DC took a major swing in 2007. And huge, they took this huge, huge swing and said, like, we're going to put out a book every week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have the writer's room. And we're going to have artists come in and out. And we're going to get this thing out. And the one constant in that whole series is Keith Giffen did the layouts he did the layouts of every single issue every single week. And that book is one of the best DC books ever. I mean, you had a writer's room of Mark Wade, Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka um, all working together. Grant Morrison's in there and telling these stories about the C-level guys that weren't getting any attention. And it it was so impactful, but the, spine of that whole story is, is Keith Giffen's heart
0: and be honest be honest it did not get it, I, I remember it getting more criticism than praise when it was coming out. You know, yeah the, and well, he had people bitching about Dan deo this dan de that and da da, da 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 well you look
1: at how many times they tried to do it again it's never worked
0: it's never worked right you
1: know they did Trinity they did countdown um Marvel bumped Spider-Man up to three times a month to uh because they stole the editor I of uh, I think it was Steve Wacker. They still uh, was editing 52 Marvel stole him and said, "Look, can you do that with Spider-Man? We will cancel all the Spider-Man books if you can make Amazing come out over and over again." And I would say that comes closest because The Brand New Day is really good. But there the you know, the back issue bins are littered with weekly series that did not work.
0: Well, it was a lot it was a lot. I mean, if I remember correctly, that was again when both Marvel and DC were doing everything they could to just flood the market with as yeah. much product as they could to just choke out the others, you know? Yeah. So they well, were, They they were killing indie books. They were, there were everyone, there was a hell of a lot of collateral during that, those times.
1: Yeah. It was almost like the nineties again, because after the crash in the late nineties, you know, it got so bad that they finally did uh, justice league Avengers. Cause that was like the last gasp effort. And that started to come, bring things back. And then you had Joe Quesada taking over at Marvel and creating uh, Grant Morrison, putting Grant Morrison on X-Men and then putting J. Michael Straczynski on Amazing Spider-Man and creating the ultimate universe that comes back. And then DC gets Jim Lee to draw Hush. And that brings Batman back. And then you're right. Once it got healthy, they just tried to strangle each other like weeds.
0: (laughs) And it's yeah, man will never they, appreciate- they don't learn <laughs> no and uh, and to think I don't think we we appreciated JLA Avengers as much as we should have as it was happening
1: oh God I had this I had the slipcase mm-hmm. edition of that but now you know like last year when George Perez passed away mm-hmm. they put out that print run which is very hard to do because now especially that they're owned by Warner Brothers and Disney it's very hard to get Marvel and DC working together
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know you you don't just ask Ross Andrew to draw both characters because he's drawing them anymore but they did a, a, sh, a very quick print run, and that went through the roof. You know, comic stores were taking lotteries, you know, uh, to try to get that book. But that book is – that book's something special just because I remember the Marvel versus DC in the mid-90s. Yeah,
0: yeah. The one,
1: you know, the one where Wolverine beats Lobo off panel.
0: Bastitch, says you, bud. Yeah, yeah. Nah. Yeah, and I will give I the will only say- thing
1: I liked in that was Perry White and Jay Jonah Jameson screaming at each other.
0: Yes. <laughs> that yes. that that was worth the price of admission because I, I think Ron Mars wrote that wrote that yeah. series, and you know he had to come up because for folks who weren't aware, you know that it was all done by vote. People voted for who they thought would win, and I think Marvel really did stack the deck in their favor. They put how many X Men in the lineup? I mean, come on. Yeah, in the '90s, yeah. Storm bet beat Wonder Woman. Seriously, seriously, no. But you know, fan fanboys be fanboys. Yeah, they had know. five. There were five that were a vote
1: that you could vote on, and then the other ones were just written in.
0: Right, and then you would have and ones that I think were very well done. Um, mm-hmm. And again, and then again, Ron Mars, who was writing the series, kind of had to figure out ways to yeah. make it feasible. You know, um, the you know the Superman Hulk, meh, you know, I get that. Uh, shoot Jim Shooter already did that in the second, um, Super uh, Batman, uh, I'm sorry, Spider Man Superman crossover, yeah, uh, which was kind of clever. He uh, had
1: Batman Captain America, which then John Byrne would redo as a
0: period piece, but both agreed. Both, Kirby that was a tie. Agreed. Oh, no, that's right. No, but in in um, in um, Batman versus it, oh, that's right. In um Marvel Superman, yeah, it was um, Batman won on a technicality.
1: <laughs> well, I remember them saying like, "You and I could fight each other for the rest of our lives because we're that evenly matched." It's like, or am I thinking of JLA
0: Avengers? JLA Avengers, it was Is that Batman, where they say that Batman because they they, they 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 like scope each other out, and Batman goes, "You could conceivably beat me, but it would take you a very long time." Yeah. And they go, but do you really want to take that, do you really want to take that much time? And, Mar- you know, Steve Rogers like, no, we're, we don't need to be doing this here.
1: Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. But JLA Avengers was pretty, it was pretty slapdash. It was pretty, it was pretty like, let's let's take the post-its of our characters and throw them on the wall, where JLA Avengers was really beautifully thought out. Yeah.
0: I will give I will give Dan Juergens credit for that Batman, Captain, uh, the Batman Captain America fight, it all takes all one page. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all on one page. And the, the composition is great. I even remember telling Dan Jurgens online once I go, dude, that was a great job. Do you still happen to have that page? He went, No, <laughs> I totally wanted that page. <laughs> He's like, ah, I was a long time ago. But uh, but yeah, but but still, we didn't appreciate it. Even, even, yeah, even the Marvel versus DC miniseries, which now good luck finding it. Can't oh,
1: you no, you, yeah. you can't find there were four volumes called Crossover Classics. I have two of them, and they were reprints of all of those books. And you can't get
0: those. Yeah, you'd have like a couple, like you'd have all the Batman Punisher team-ups. Yeah. Put in, put yeah. in Batman of, Punisher,
1: my, and, you know, my the thing I probably was born and lived to wait for, the two
0: Batman Spider-Mans. Yep, yep. Which um, I think, um, I know um, Mark Bagley did Mark the, Bagley
1: did the Marvel one. Graham Nolan did the DC one. Did DC one. And it was, uh, the Bagley one was Joker and Carnage, and the- Nolan, one was uh, Kingpin and Rachel Gould,
0: yes, yeah, remember. I had those, I had those, I have them. I, I do,
1: I, I, think I, I think I still have both, yeah. but um, yeah, we're drifting far. But you know, Keith Giffen <laughs> was such a central pillar of a re- really well, mostly DC, but uh, he definitely had his hands in Marvel that I feel like it's still apropos to talk about. Um, and especially at this time, like we said, this would never happen today, and you know. Things are in chaos. I, I was saying the other day, I'm still struggling with this. I'm trying to get back into DC and I don't know how, like, I don't know where my jump on point was and I don't know what event ended up not mattering. So I shouldn't start. I, um I joined the DC infinite, which is, you know, the Marvel unlimited. So they're, you know, they're Netflix. I'm like, look, I'll just subscribe to both Marvel and DC for a year and then just read whatever. Cause I haven't read anything. And I'm like, where do I start with Batman? And I'm like, well, I don't want to start where I left off because that's why I quit. (laughs) But then I don't know if it got better and I don't know where it gets better. So I'm just, I'm reading a lot of specials (laughs) because I can't read the main title. I just don't know what's going on. I subscribed uh, to Spider-Man. I don't think it's the best run that's ever been done. I don't think it's terrible, but... uh, And then they announced at New York Comic-Con that they're ending the... They're ending the Hickman era of X Men. They're ending the whole Krakoa story, which I was like, "Yeah, fine." You know, when when Hickman started that, it seemed like a story that was going to have a beginning, middle, and end. It didn't seem like a status quo. But Hickman's coming back to restart the Ultimate Universe. Why isn't he ending his own story?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he he's there to pretty much start things off. He writes the 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 quote unquote series Bible that gets passed on to the other creators and then they go from there and then, yeah, and then he moves on to the next thing. I would say for, to answer your question, like, where do you go, jump in? I would say this for anyone. Um, I view it kind of like, 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 watching If Someone recommends a show on Netflix. I'll go back and I'll watch the old stuff, you know, well, do I have to, do I have to watch the current uh, uh, season of Grey's Anatomy? You know, I haven't watched it in forever. I watched some of the earlier stuff. I I think we get so caught up right now on the current continuity and all these things. When when in the end, it doesn't really matter, right? Half the time. Everything gets reset eventually. It gets reset over and over and over again. From
1: from what I've seen right now in Batman, Alfred is dead and Bruce Wayne is broke. And I don't know how that happened. I think Tom can kill Alfred. But I'm like,
0: well, that'll go for another Three years max, you know, say that's not even the first time they've killed Alfred. I mean, how many times have he done that? And I'm sorry, there is no more, te- there is no condition more temporary than Bruce Wayne being broke because you essentially took away his superpower right there. Well, you made him Green Arrow because well, Green he, Arrow was Oliver rich and Wayne was broke. rich, even remember Oliver Queen used to be really rich too. Yeah,
1: exactly. He went he was really rich, and then the, the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, he was like, I want to live in the slums now.
0: He wants to. He wants to. He really wanted to experience what it's like to be underprivileged. I guess.
1: Yeah, I love hard traveling heroes, but man, does it smell like white people trying to like connect. Just that. Just that page. I've seen you help the yellow people and the red people in space. What you done for the brown people? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And I think it was Jeff Johns who said, "Save the goddamn planet." The one that you walking on.
0: <laughs> so, so I would say, you know, these days we have this wonderful thing, you know, like, oh my God, we've talked about this before. I walk in the ollies, you know, and you find all those trades of oh, all yeah. those previous, you know, Batman and Justice League series and all. You can go in. I reread
1: follow. Batman Eternal, which was, uh, by the way, another weekly series they did. They did Batman Eternal, which was pretty good. It was no 52. But they had those trades and Ollie's for like three bucks. Yeah. So I was like, I haven't read this in 10 years. But then they did a Batman Robin Eternal that was not worth reading. Yeah.
0: wasn't it the Neil Adams one?
1: No, that was uh Batman Odyssey. Odyssey, then, that's right, right. Yeah, that's just in crazy. We did, I think we did an episode about that when it came out because it's so goddamn crazy. Yeah, and then he did uh his final one, he did a fantastic four antithesis, and he did uh Batman versus Rachel Gould. I haven't read those. Uh, but now that Neil Adams is gone, he was always entertaining.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, so yeah, go to your local comic shop, you know, find some trades. Uh, go to freaking half-price books. Yeah, you know, you'll find them. You know, go to a used bookstore, just get those trades, and I, I say don't even worry so much. Like right now, there is so much freaking attention being put on the MCU. For I mean, again, we talk about it on MCU review, but you know, I I'm getting Kind of fed up a bit with people talking about oh the status quo of the MCU and this and and all they don't you know they don't know what's going on here and the continuity and what's canon and what's not I'm like guys guys, they're freaking movies, okay they're there to entertain you you go to watch them if you're entertained, great if not not
1: I'm, I'm getting a bell I'm getting one of those hotel bells <laughs> and when you yell at people on the internet complaining, I'm gonna ring that bell again and uh yeah and then you should give me a dollar <laughs> <laughs> like a swear jar exactly. like a swear jar it's a spike jar, <laughs> a spike jar. <laughs> yeah but we we just heard that like they basically came back from the writer strike and stripped daredevil back to ground zero like they they said they looked at count feige looked at half the episodes and went nope and they said it had drifted really far from Netflix and they were gonna they were gonna redo it. And on the one hand, there's a lot of people like like you're saying, like, oh, that means Marvel's going crazy, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And part of me's thinking, well, I didn't see those episodes either. Maybe they do really suck, you no, know, and maybe no. what we get will be a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of rumors about Echo that like Echo was so bad that Disney was gonna dump it on one day. And we are, I mean. It's hard to stay on track. I'm a week behind on Loki already. You know, I uh, the yeah. first episode, I thought the first episode was Doctor Who. And I was like, well, I like Doctor Who. I could probably keep going with this. But then the second one came out. And I was like, eh. I also didn't finish the Soka.
0: Yeah, well, you're, you didn't really miss. That's well, what, you know I know. what I But I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, was it, uh, yuck anybody's yum. Because there are plenty of people who love the Soka and thought it was great. I'm sorry. I had a hard time dealing with Sabine, you know, seeing Ahsoka quote unquote die and being like, oh, well, and then going on, you know, everything matters. I got to get Ezra Bridger back. I got to get him back. We got to get him back. doesn't matter that he sacrificed himself to make sure Thrawn was out of the galaxy. But I'm bringing Ezra Bridger back. At, well, OK. And I'm bringing Thrawn back, too. You know, it, and then and then, yeah, I watched the second episode of of, of Loki and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. I don't understand any of the characters' motivations. If anything, it's like even the Sylvie character. I don't know what where she's coming from. I don't understand why Loki's obsessed with her. I mean, I guess it's season love, but I mean, it's essentially him. So is that really him being a narcissist? Well, he's a narcissist. So yeah, I, right.
1: I mean, they played with it in season one and I got it then. But as I said, I, you know, I only watched the first episode. Sylvie's not in that. So...
0: Yeah, she she's she'll be back. She's back. Spoiler: She's in the second episode. I've seen posters with her, but yeah. I haven't.
1: I haven't seen her. It is getting you know, it's getting tough. And god damn, goddamn it! But I've been saying it for the last two years. Um, when a new lower decks comes out, my life stops because Star Trek is gonna be consistent. I I didn't like the very short treks too much, but the series have been so solid. I like Strange New World season two. Not as much as season one, but I really liked it. And I'm loving Lower Decks. It's like, that's my, that's where my trust
0: is as a fan right now. I'm with you. The, the, the latest episode, three, the three badgies, three badgies more. Yeah. Just more. I was like, okay, where's this going? The ending came floored me, floored me. I'm like, holy shit. How did they do that? How did they go from this farce of a comedy To like this really touching type, you know, insight into the human, you know, into knowledge and the universe and the human condition and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, they went there and it worked. And like, so, yeah, I'm with you. uh,
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, last week they, you know, they went to the Ferengi homeworld and did more with the Ferengi culture than Iris Stephen Baird did in seven seasons of Deep Space Nine. And I love Deep Space Nine. I mean, before Deep Space Nine, the Ferengi were a joke and had no culture. You know, they were just bad villains on Next Generation. But uh, when they went to Ferenginar, like, I understood everything about how that planet
0: worked. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, uh, I'm with you. Oh,
1: and they they brought Chase Masterson back, which is always a plus in my book. (laughs)
0: Uh, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I remember you telling you, eh, I'm not really into this show. I'm just not getting it. But you know what it is too, is because you do. I'll admit, you kind of have to let go of certain things. Yeah, you know, you have to go. Wait a minute, this takes place in the Star Trek universe, but this, but it's not. It doesn't. It's like it's making fun of all the things and all the other series I'm supposed to take quite seriously. Which then brings me back to freaking Justice League with Keith Giffen and yep. International. It's like that's what they did. They they took all the stuff that you were supposed to take quite seriously and they poked fun at it and they poked holes in it and they made a comedy. And well, like, and
1: well, there's a difference between a comedy and a and a satire, right? Well, well, or a parody is probably better. Satire would mean right. it's making a political point usually, but um, it's not a parody of Star Trek. Uh, if you've seen the very short tricks on YouTube, those are Star Trek parodies, and I thought three out of five of them were pretty lousy. Whereas Lower Decks is is like the thing that I think makes Lower Decks so great is no matter how much fun they have and how much they poke at Star Trek continuity and the way the show is made in different eras and character choices, all of the characters are in love with Star Trek. Yeah, there's such joy and energy and enthusiasm that comes out of that is at the end of the day they don't want to break Star Trek they they don't want they really don't want you to think less of Star Trek
0: they're not mocking it
1: exactly it's not a parody of Star Trek right. it's like you know it is a stretch to think okay this ship is out there next to Picard's Enterprise and Janeway's Voyager but it, I feel like Star Trek has had a lot of wacky episodes and oh yeah this,
0: yeah, I agree. and this
1: is leaning into that. Did you, uh, you see the Voyager episode when they added Voyager to the museum? Yes, they pointed out every crazy. They pointed out every reason why I don't like Voyager, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: did it so perfectly. Well, I'm like, I like. I liked how they they talked about the um, the cellular drive, the um, the gel the, packs. Yeah, the gel packs. Because I remember yeah. when Voyager was first. And that was like one I wanted to be on the ground floor on this one, too, just like with Next Generation. I remember I saw the very first episode of Next Generation thinking I'm going to be in on the ground floor of Star Trek for once and going, oh, my God, this is bad.
1: Oh, it shook me off. I
0: think I gave it to, I think,
1: Code of Honor. And then uh, I, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. I didn't come back till Leonard Nimoy showed up.
0: Yeah. yeah. So
1: like I missed best of both worlds. Yeah,
0: that's when, that's what finally got me back in. When was, best
1: of both worlds ended, yeah. all I was doing was counting the days till Batman.
0: Yeah, uh, and then um, but then um, the, I remember because I was doing I was reading all the articles about what was going to make Voyager different. And oh yeah, the Voyager, it's a uh, its computer system is more like the human brain. It has you know this the, this gel that's like mimics you know brain cells and, da, 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 and the Voyager can, and then the possibility being because it's like that, it could actually experience like a virus, like a flu or something. So yeah. I got be- sick
1: once or twice.
0: Yeah. So, Ooh, this is going to be so cool, man. This is going to be so cool. they never like, they never touched on any of those. There's things.
1: so many missed opportunities on that yeah. show. Well, it's just the whole Maquis thing. It was like, it's going to be about two crews that don't get along, but they have to live together and survive. And in episode three, they just told the Maquis to start wearing Starfleet
0: uniforms
1: (laughs) and, and, you know, they were saying yes, sir, by the end of the episode. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. Well, what are you going to do still? I mean, lower decks. It's as you're saying.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm loving it more than anything else. And it's like, like I was saying about Batman day, I I got when Batman day happened, I, I was like, well, I don't know anything new that's happening in Batman. Like we are years away from getting another Matt Reeves movie. Um, the at new animated series is still like, I think it's going to prime because it's not on max. And then I don't know what's going on in the books. Like nobody's talking about the books, So I started going backwards. Like I, and, um, and it became this nostalgia trip and it was, which was great, but you know, I reread no man's land. I reread hush. I reread under the red hood. I may reread nightfall because I'm just enjoying these big, and they're all on my fucking shelf anyway. <laughs> they're, like, they're just omnibuses of this and it, it you know i enjoyed it so much that i went down and pulled out the batman comics i didn't sell and started questioning why there were batman comics i did sell i believe i asked you about if you had any shadow of the bat
0: yeah, i'm pretty sure i've got like all those books yeah
1: probably yeah. Well, you know they weren't worth it but <laughs> they were they crossed over and the i remember really liking the mark buckingham art like after bray Fogle left
0: uh, For me, it was Legends of the Dark Knight. Um, That Ed Hannigan stuff in that the first few issues was just incredible. Well, that was
1: one of those, because that was the anthology title. Yeah, yeah. The first two years of that are great, and then it just, it got really weird. Yeah. Where, like, it started to become Elseworlds, and it was like, they, a a lot of it was like bringing in indie guys or breaking people into DC and going, like, you can do whatever you want with Batman for two issues. And it's like, none of it fit into into the, the the main character. So but, it, it, but, it became but, this weird thing.
0: Yeah, but people read it. People liked it. You know, people enjoyed it. People will read it. It ran over 200 issues. Right. So why it why is it that we can't seem to carry that same sort of attitude when it comes to, again, the movies? Does everything have to fit into a continuity? The shows, well, DC, well get...
1: DC's doing that now because yeah. uh they announced Batman Brave and the Bold. It won't be Robert Pattinson. It's not Matt Reeves. We're going to yeah. still have two Batmans. Yeah. I think, I think part of the problem was The Flash was they just, they tried to put everything in there because they were like, honestly, I think it just came down to Spider-Man. Noah Hill made a lot of money. Do that. But I, don't get anybody. Just CG them.
0: Yeah, I got, I, I got, although th- this piece of news this week, two great things I realized happened. One, back on, back to the Star Trek uh, conversation. Star Trek Prodigy is going to get picked up by Netflix. Yeah. So
1: and that that gives me a lot of hope. It it's it's not my favorite show. I I know it's aimed lower. It's which is also the reason I never finished Clone Wars or Rebels. It's yeah. like I'm I'm not I'm not I hate saying it, but I'm not a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um I yeah, uh, I'm a middle-aged man. <laughs> One of, and you know what? I was able to stretch it well into my 30s watching shows that were designed for
0: 9-year-olds. <laughs>
1: but uh I was watching it with Sebastian and he was liking it, so I got to sit in the room with him. But it I do think with this, the whole streaming thing, I think the pendulum swinging back the other way. We've been talking about this where, you know, it used to be like, we're Warner brothers. We'll have everything Warner brothers has on max. And we're Disney. We'll have everything Disney has on max. And then the last few months, people, they've been like, ah, Disney's like, we don't need Willow. Do we, you know, and max is like, we don't need justice league. Do we, but then Netflix picks it up, but then prime picks it up, but then Hulu picks it up. And it seems like these streaming platforms are, going to start selling off their stuff because it makes more money to put justice league back on Netflix than it does to leave it on max. And that's fine. If, you know, if, if it lives somewhere, I mean, moonlighting just came out on Hulu stuff, you know, stuff lives. That's all I care about. You know, you you hear all these stories about how kids are getting into Seinfeld and friends now because they're streaming, you know, not because they're rerun but they're bigger hits than before. I mean they they're, they're going to bring suits back. Suits is back. Suits and it's huge
0: and it's huge. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Suits, like which was one, the number one stream show right now on 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 the platforms right now. And no one knows why. Yeah. My friend my buddy Paul Farvar, he's a stand-up comedian, he's a former um former lawyer and he's doing a little series on his uh, TikTok about he reviews he re- he does a quick like 2-minute review of every episode of Suits and uh, doing it from the point of view of, of being an actual lawyer and saying, okay, that, that can't happen. That that shouldn't happen. And it, and he's quite funny, the way he, he explains well,
1: it. Well, I feel like it's you, when they announced suit, they were making suits, I thought it was the most jaded, cynical thing ever because they were like, why is Mad Men so popular? I think it's because they wear suits. Do that. <laughs> that, was, that. That was about it. Just have handsome guys wearing suits because that's all I'm getting out of Mad Men.
0: Yeah, but what I forget the name Gabriel, the name of the star Gabriel. Oh, okay, he he's a damn handsome man. I'm gonna give him that. The star, yes, sees, it's
1: handsome guys and a really,
0: princess. but ridiculously <laughs> handsome guy. I mean, again, I'm straight, but gun to my head. <laughs> you know, and I remember going, he would make a perfect Star Trek captain. Like if you wanted to, I was even thinking, that. like, uh, like if they wanted to recast Captain Kirk. He would have been a perfect Kirk because really good looking guy. I can see him with the Kirk cut, but he, his voice was too deep though. Unfortunately, Kirk never mm-hmm. had a voice that's that deep.
1: No, Kirk, Kirk had
0: Shatner's voice, Yeah,
1: which no one else has.
0: Uh, but um, what, what
1: amazes me is that
0: we're on our third Kirk and they're not doing Shatner impressions. Which is good. Which is good. I really like um, the, the guy who's doing Kirk now on um, Strange. Yeah,
1: Dream. I like him too. And I, I have to admit, like for... When they brought Ethan Peck out as Spock, I was like, "Well, we got Zachary Quinto. Why do we? Why are we making more Spocks?" And then I realized that J.J. Abrams' Star Trek was a
0: long time ago. It was a long time ago. But they, and he- they did, yeah, and and he's really good. I like Ethan Peck. Um, and then, uh, oh, geez, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, but why was the Office so we were, big? We we're so yelling long?
1: about suits. Suits. But <laughs> I'm saying
0: the Office became this huge thing because it was streaming on Netflix for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then Peacock stole it. And that that was the thing was Peacock was like, nope, you got to come to Peacock to watch it. But now we're seeing the opposite. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the office goes to Hulu, you know, goes to Prime. I remember before Paramount Plus started, Star Trek was on everything. It was on Netflix and Prime and Hulu. You know, I think it was on HBO Max. It was on every single streaming platform. And then when Paramount Plus started, they pulled it all back. And at the time I was like, well, that makes sense. I'm paying for Paramount Plus so I can see new Star Trek. Might as well be the one place I see Star Trek. But then they like, then they let Hulu have the movies. So, so it's like, all right, you're you're not trying to vault this stuff up. Everything, everything's, you know, how do we make money this quarter?
0: And it looks like uh Warner Brothers is gonna get sold again. There's talk that possibly Universal is gonna buy it.
1: Oh, that might be cool. But can you
0: imagine what that's going to do to Max at that point?
1: Okay. Well, you got Max and you got, well, Universal has Peacock. So one of those, they would merge.
0: One of them. Yes. Because exactly. I mean,
1: Peacock, I get Peacock for free for having Xfinity. And um, it's been really handy this month because uh, they have all the Universal monsters. And, but mostly I'm watching old Saturday Night Lives.
0: Yeah.
1: I was, um, Fly on the Wall, which is uh Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast about SNL, they did a four hour tribute to Phil Hartman. Oh, wow, and maybe that's my greatest thing in the world. But then that sent me into Peacock, mm-hmm. and I'm just watching them from the 80s and 90s. Uh, um, that's it's the one place I can find all that stuff, but if that merges with Max, I don't care.
0: Amazon, where is it? Yeah, what's going where? But yeah. then well, Warner Brothers has all that DC stuff,
1: yeah. That but that's not a conflict it's not like Disney
0: yeah yeah anywho but it's uh, just uh, just let oh me know where I can find my stuff is all I'm saying and yeah. I enjoy it
1: well also speaking of uh owning stuff you and I watched the new Frazier, which was a paramount show because they used to do there used to be Star Trek and Frazier references yeah. all over each other's shows because of Paramount Synergy like Frazier yeah. was their biggest hit that wasn't a Star Trek show So Paramount brought Frasier back and um, I was not impressed with the first two episodes, but man, did it send me back to the, to the nineties Frasier and reminding me what a good goddamn show that is. And I'm like, why isn't this the next Seinfeld? Well,
0: they're putting, they put all those episodes up, right? They put It's all on there now. So, you know, they went, okay, let's make sure we put all the Frasiers on there. It's funny that we're talking about Frasier as that, as opposed to Cheers. We never hear about a Cheers revival
1: well there was one in the there was one like a magazine but you know what The well john ratzenberger just passed away didn't he i, john I,
0: don't, Ratzen- want, oh. I don't want to put that out in the universe if it's okay. not true well,
1: well, i, yeah. I going to look that up but you know what i think the thing with cheers is cheers is so much older that you know a lot of those guys are too uh are too far now john ratzenberger is still alive
0: yeah, I'm, gonna,
1: I'm sorry, John yeah,
0: And after that, Ted Danson is still working. He's every. Danson's
1: always working. Yeah. yeah, and and you know what? I going back. Um, I binged all of Cheers and all of Frasier. I think Frasier was a better show.
0: It was well. This there's, there's, it's not a surprise that the show didn't it went it won the Emmy for best comedy like the first first five years it was running. Yeah, like it won year after year. We're talking from the from its first season the very first season for the next five years, it just kept winning the best comedy Emmy year after year, after year, after year, after year. And you're, yeah. And it's, again, um, looking at, looking at the, you know, the revival of it, man, that's like, it's even when you, you get some of those elements together, it's not quite. No,
1: the writing's not there. I think it's like the, the cast is fine. I, I can go with the premise. Um, I, I mean, I, I was worried when they said David Hyde Pierce would not be part of it. I'm like, he really made that show. And yeah, and yeah, you know, Frazier brought no one from Cheers and it worked. But man, the biggest thing was the writing, the writing on Frazier and Cheers, at least, at least the Shelley Long years was so sharp. Uh, I found the last couple of seasons of Cheers to be kind of hard to watch w- going back. But Frazier was so smart and so sharp. And this was like. This this wasn't. If this aired in the '90s, it wouldn't have been as good. That's for yeah. sure.
0: Well, not pretty-
1: not only has television become more sophisticated, but it's like the writing felt like it felt like Family Matters.
0: Oh wow, wow!
1: You know, it was like it was like typical like father son jabs and like you know and somebody living a lie and they have to fess up to what they're really doing. And I'm like, I'm like, he was, Kelsey Grammer's been talking about this for years, and this is what they landed on.
0: Well, I mean, I will give this a, the first, yeah, I I agree. That first episode's hard to get through. Um, You're right. I mean, even though James Burroughs directs the first two episodes and you can tell, it feels very much like a James Burroughs. It does. Thank you. But the actors just aren't, you know, they're not elevating the script at all.
1: No. And the script is not elevated to begin with.
0: Right. But, but Kelsey Grammer is like effortless. Oh yeah. Everything he does, just boom, boom, boom. He's just up there, just solid, like boom. I, it, you know, boom. It hits it to the outfield pretty consistently the whole time. Well, like, Damn, this guy's
1: good. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, that there, you know, you can use the Picard analogy, which we've been using all through 2023. But you know, he knows this character so well. You know, he knows this character better than Patrick Stewart knows John Luke Picard because he's done more of it. That he just he just slips it on like old shoes, and he does feel like somebody who's lived another twenty years
0: since then. I kept thinking Indiana Jones. I kept thinking, mm. you know, oh yeah, this is, you know, because that it was like the same thing. People with with Frazier, okay, ready for the the spike jar. Gee, why do you got to be complete? Frazier wouldn't dress that way. Why is he wearing you know athletic shoes and and jeans? He wouldn't do that. I'm like, oh my. Oh, please spare me.
1: <laughs> I didn't, I did not notice what he was wearing, but I, I, the one thing I thought was weird that they created this entire new backstory. It was like, he was living in Chicago doing a television talk show. I'm like, why, why, why create It's. It's almost like there was a, there was a, a Frazier 2.5 show that we didn't see.
0: Yeah, because well, you have to explain why he had so much money when he moves back to Boston, because you don't make money like that in um, on radio in radio. So it yeah. has to, be t- and then he would have been on television just during the boom of the television, and then
1: people in Boston recognized who he was. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't know why that show just wasn't in Seattle. It's like <laughs> what. You know, again, he's, I, he's bouncing all over the place. He's got a kid. He just runs around the country. This is what the show is about. They don't have a good relationship, and that is why I fucking live in Illinois.
0: <laughs> but again, I'm like, I I I, 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 I like it. I mean, to me, it's like, yeah, it's, it's Fraser. Twenty years later, a lot happened. Yeah, you know, I'm with you're that a I, person. You know, twenty years after what you thought you'd be. You know, before I just, I
1: just want the joke writing to get up. To get up there you know like i can watch a new simpsons and i know it's not as good as 90 simpsons but i can still be entertained i i i want frazier to be as good as new simpsons
0: i want i just want the acting to get better which it does it does as it goes i mean just because some of them it's like it sounds like i remember th- i'm watching the first episode and like everyone with the exception of kelsey Grammer, everyone sounds like they're reading a script it yeah. doesn't sound like they're talking. It sounds like they're reading uh, like cue cards or whatever. And you and can I, tell us them because they got to go. They got to get that patter down. They got to. You bump, know bump. what?
1: I, I, maybe it's that we don't do the three camera sitcom anymore, so actors aren't trained in that form.
0: Yeah, and then, but by the second episode, oh, um, I'm sorry. And after the the, the John Mahoney um, dedication at the that end, that was
1: touching. Oh, that man. worked. That I really, not, really worked.
0: I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. Man, talk about hitting me. Hitting me right in the soul.
1: I didn't realize he's been gone for five years. I felt like it happened last year.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm I am hopeful that it's going to continue and get better as it goes. You know, it's funny because um the last series I remember Kelsey Grammer doing was Back to You. That that um, oh yeah,
1: that did not go anywhere. It was him and Patricia Heaton. Patricia
0: Heaton, which I remember watching and going this is pretty good. This is, you know, and at one point it really hit its stride. Cause you know, James Burroughs was uh, directing some episodes in there and doing really well. And then it had, um, uh, the actor he's, he would later go on to fame as the Phil Dunphy in family in, um, in, um, modern family, the actor. Um,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking too. I know. He, I know he went to, he went to school with Jordan Peele and that's why he's in key, key and Peele.
0: Yeah. Peele. But I'm talking, the guy had comedic timing, the chop, like, boom, like that. And they're going, this guy needs to get discovered. This guy deserves, you know, to be on a hit show.
1: Ty Yes. And he was in the, uh, he was in the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Which James Gunn wrote, and I still don't like it. (laughs) That movie, not to sidetrack, which is really, we should just change this to sidetracking comics. Um, But. Dawn of the Dead was written by James Gunn, directed by Zack Snyder. I like exactly half of that movie.
0: <laughs> well, which reminds me of the two, the second bit of good news that I came across to myself this past week, and I've referenced it on my Facebook page, and it seemed to really stir up some controversy. You know that um, Taylor Swift's Eras movie, Eras Tour movie, oh, yeah. and the Barbie movie together are slated to make more money than the entire Snyderverse.
1: That's that the thing with the Snyder fans and I and I'm not going to I'm not going to ding this the Spike Bell. <laughs> uh, it's now called the Spike Bell. Um the thing is if those movies were making the money they were supposed to, we would still have the Snyder. We would still have them, exactly. Those movies were not as successful as Marvel and they were not as successful as Nolan. They were not as successful as other Batman movies. I think the Matt Reeves Batman was more successful because that did really well. And Joker was hugely successful. Joker made a billion. Yeah. Like right before lockdown. Yeah. So, so you know, you know, fine. Snyder fans. I mean, you know, there's things I wish were still on. <laughs> like <laughs> I'd love another black adder season, but time is moving on. But you know what? I enjoyed Barbie more than any Snyderverse movie. Yeah, but there and, again... and there are some in the Snyder era that I truly enjoyed. Like I really liked Shazam one. I liked Blue Beetle. I liked Birds of Prey. I loved Suicide Squad. But apparently, but that's James Gunn.
0: I don't consider those Snyderverse movies though.
1: But yeah, but I, it's almost like everything between Batman versus Superman and the Flash is going to be considered the Snyderverse now, just because of the era they're made in. It's all going to come down to like what James Gunn keeps and throws away because he's keeping all of his people. You yeah. know, Viola well, Davis is sticking around, but Henry Cable isn't.
0: At least as, as Superman, he might come back as someone else. Unless. Bizarro. They should bring him back. as Bizarro. Unless again, the rumors if the rumors hold, although I, I seriously doubt they will. There's a they, it's back to him playing bond again. Everyone keeps saying he's going to be the next bond, which I highly doubt. I
1: doubt but, that too. I don't think, you know what? Every, maybe it's because I'm not British, but every time they announce a new bond, it's the same as when they announce a new doctor, they bring the guy out and I don't know who the fuck he is.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And it and takes and it, the it, guy becomes, ends up being a big deal after the fact, but before, before, yeah, yeah.
1: because he was bond. Cause he yeah. was, you know, I love Daniel Craig. I, I, I want to see more Benoit Blanc movies. I think they're fantastic, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, I saw layer cake and didn't remember Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Peter Capaldi was the first doctor they announced. And I, I am a stand for Peter Capaldi's era of doctor who. And uh I think I saw the thick of it and I didn't remember who he was. Yeah. So um, I don't think it's going to be Henry Cable and I don't think it's going to be Idris Elba.
0: Oh no, he even, yeah, he's too old again. It's got, yeah. they got to find a young guy, someone in this like, mid late twenties, early thirties. Cause the guy's going to be playing bond for at least 10 years.
1: Yeah. I always remember John Hamm was on uh, the never not funny podcast and it was before they announced Henry Cavill and he's, and they were saying, Hey, they're going to do a man of steel. Uh, don't you think uh, they're going to come to you and be Superman? And he's like, he's like, all I know is that I auditioned for Superman returns. And they said, I was too old then.
0: Yeah. He would have been a great captain Marvel though. He
1: would have uh, been a good captain America.
0: Oh, it would have been an awesome Captain America. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it, we do live in the timeline where John Hamm did not play a superhero. Yeah.
0: And, but he has a point, though. It's like these days, like I talked to, like I talked to, um, my buddy Jeff and, and, and his son Maxwell, who does, um, who did Lost in Space and is doing a bunch of movies now. I'm like, boy, it, it, I go, I can see Maxwell, young Maxwell playing Johnny Storm in the, in the um, Fantastic Four, you know, movie, but he's got to be ready to sign his life away for at least, yeah. next, you know, 10 years. And he's like, he's right. He probably doesn't want to do that. You
1: know? Yeah. But, I just saw that, uh, um, Millie Brown, um, from Stranger Things is now like once out of Stranger Things, she's yeah. like, I'm passing on stuff I really want to do because we keep doing Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it all reminds me of David Duchovny. You know, David Duchovny just wanted to stop making X-Files. But, you know, other than Californication, we didn't want him to make anything else.
0: I like him to stop at the Botox.
1: He just looks sad. He always looks sad now. He's like, oh, because he's in the, uh, he's, something's coming out that he's in.
0: He's got that movie with Meg Ryan.
1: Yeah, and there's something, there's some ensemble thing where he just popped up. And I'm like, David Duchovny's in this? He's just got this hangdog expression now. He looks depressed. <laughs>
0: Ken, that Botox.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you can't raise your eyebrows anymore.
0: <laughs> you look at those later seasons of X-Files, like every, Mitch Pileggi was getting friggin' Botox. Like all the guys were getting Botox. Oh, look at the Always Sunny guys you know like
1: Matt got mac got fat to prove like this is what this is what people who really live in philly turn out to be they don't they're not like hollywood people that get all boat and then the next season he was ripped like like hell
0: anyway all right do you got a greatest thing this week uh great uh, great stuff already yeah no, no, i have got a lot of great stuff so i mean i'm going to say eh, i mean i'm i'm going to go about uh, my greatest thing right now is i'm really enjoying the quantum leap Uh, Revival too. I mean, with them bringing back uh, I was depressed as hell the ending of the Scott Bakula Quantum Leap was the most depressing event of my young science fiction television fandom, I remember just I was inconsolable, and after that it would be the lost uh, series finale that would also, would follow up that would set off emotional triggers
1: x-file series finale wasn't great either, (laughs)
0: but i didn't care i wasn't invested first time well
1: also there was then then there was a movie and then there was a season and then there was a season and that and season 11 ended on a cliffhanger and i was like this is all you do (laughs) (laughs) like i came back 10 years later for some resolution
0: (laughs) but at least with quantum leap they are addressing the whole thing with uh, Sam they talk about Sam Beckett from time to time although Scott Bakula has said he's not involved with this particular show Yeah
1: that's seems crazy because Scott Bakula is always on TV
0: Yeah uh, but, but I mean I have a few they, they've left the door open I, I they, every time they talk about him it means they have to at some point have him come up at, at in some area so And Dean Stockwell's
1: passed away so there's nobody else to to talk to from the original series
0: Right Although they did have the voice uh the, the voice of the original Ziggy from the television series on for a bit and then they've phased that out. Mm-hmm. So, but i I'm really enjoying it. So when it comes to all these revivals of shows, I mean, yeah, I, I did. I'm not crazy about it, but I did like the Frasier revival. I'm, I'm enjoying I'm going to watch it. I'm going to keep
1: watching it. Yeah. I'm
0: going to keep watching it. And I'm um, quite on leap is fun. I, I'm i only pitching is my greatest thing in the world because I know the again, spike jar. <laughs> Ding. Stop crapping on these things. Stop talking about how great the original series was. I'm mean, I a huge fan of the original series. And you can go to Peacock and you can watch all the original series of Quantum Leap. And you're going to see that there are even some turkeys on that and that series, too. So let's stop doing this whole thing where we elevate the stuff from the past to, to this insurmountable level that nothing can ever, uh, you know, approach it when, let's be honest, Eh, it was good, but some of it was not so good. Let's just enjoy it. Can we just enjoy
1: things? Well, my greatest thing in the world is uh, old things that were good. Uh, we're recording this late because I went to Hollywood Boulevard, which is a local uh, theater out here, which is gorgeous. We've been going there for 10 years. We used to have events there back when uh, Stephen owned a store next door to it. But they're doing their Halloween marathons. They're doing their Halloween revivals. And I am I am doing nothing but binging Halloween movies. And we've got a very special topic coming up about Halloweens very soon uh, that we are preparing for. But they just showed a double feature of Creature from the Black Lagoon and the Bela Lugosi Dracula. And I have never seen either of them on the big screen. And Hollywood Boulevard is one of those theaters where they will give you dinner and they will give you cocktails. And we went to a 5.30 show, so nobody was in there. And we just had this gi- I had this gigantic screening room where I could eat fried shrimp and drink bourbon.
0: Oh, there you go. Right it was
1: yeah it. so uh, obviously, if you're in the area, uh, Hollywood Boulevard is definitely a place to check out, but I've noticed um, the classic cinemas that are out here are doing Halloween movie revivals, um, the uh, music box theater, which is of course a, you know a very classic theater. It's showing like Halloween on Halloween. So I think wherever you are, check out your local theaters, like move beyond the AMCs and see what they're doing. Because like, you might be able to watch, you know, Friday the 13th part six on a big screen, which I think is the good one. That's Jason lives. That's the one I enjoyed. That's what I learned last year out of 10 of them. Uh, other than that, uh, when Jason was in space, The only good thing they did was they put him in the holodeck and they turned on a program that was just teens camping. (laughs) And I was like, all right, you got one good idea. And they were going to leave him in there forever. Slashing hologram teens. (laughs) They didn't even give a shit that they were ripping off Star Trek. They were like, no, we have a holodeck. (laughs) Uh, If you want to let us know what you are watching, how are you getting ready for Halloween? What do you always watch again? There's ways to get in touch with us. Uh, I am at not in my book on threads, which I thought was going to be a thing (laughs) and Instagram. I am not really on Twitter anymore. And the only thing I'm missing about Twitter is, uh, the people I used to talk to on Twitter because I'm messaging them on Instagram and I don't think they're getting them. Uh, but, but you can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. Facebook's never going no place people. And that is where we post all the news as fit to geek. Uh, a lot of the, um, stories. We didn't talk about Suzanne Somers passed away. The, and then Phyllis Coates, the original Lois Lane, passed away at 96. There's a lot going on. And sometimes we don't get to it because we don't write down notes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a place you can find us. And also, if you're not subscribed already, you can subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Elliot likes to say he likes to ask Alexa to get me to talk to him, which just tells me that I need to call more. <laughs> Elliot, how do we
0: follow you? Of course, um, you can follow me also on Facebook. Um, uh, I'm on all the socials at Elliot Serrano with two L's, two T's, and two R's. Uh, I also post on the Top Men and Indiana Jones podcast Facebook page, the MCU Review Facebook page, as well as Shaken Not Heard, a James Bond fan cast. Shaken Not Heard will be making a comeback soon. Uh, and if you follow me on TikTok, Elliot.Serrano, where I'm going to be posting lots of videos and content from A Nightmare on Chicago Street, all the fun Halloween things going on, and hopefully I'll be able to I'll, I'll be able to get an interview with Spangoolie on the TikTok page and maybe some footage from the costume contest that we'll be emceeing together. Uh, but again, uh, remember, the MCU review is coming back uh we're going to be diving into the, the television the Disney Plus series we're going to start off with WandaVision. very lucky to uh, announcing here that uh Susana Flores uh, the author ah of, always uh, great untamed uh, the wolverine book uh, psychology of wolverine will be joining us for uh Uh, WandaVision, because I think uh, she's working on a book about one of the characters in that series, so maybe we can get her to talk about it on that appearance, but yes MCU Review, Top Men uh, Shaken Not Hurt, and of course, at Elliot Serrano King of Chicago Geeks
1: and uh, I just want to sign off with an amendment to a mistake I made John Ratzenberger is not dead, but Kirstie Alley is, Good night, everybody!